It's time for 1313 Harbor, the podcast hosted by Jasmine and Michelle. That's us. <laughs> Welcome to 1313 Harbor, the podcast, where one adult daughter is about to do something incredibly nerve wracking. I'm Jasmine, and as you can tell by the lack of a secondary name response, I am by myself. Uh, why am I doing this episode by myself? Well, mostly to prove a point, but also because I just wanted to. So uh, Jenny Ray and Michelle, both pr- practically since I've started the podcast, have been saying that I should do an episode by myself. Uh, I always argued against this. I decided to do this anyway because I really needed an episode for the week that I'm in Florida. So yes, currently I'm in Florida. Uh, this is recorded in the past. I hope I'm having fun. So this episode, I will win either way. So if everyone hates this episode, that's fine because then I can eat the tasty morsels of self-righteousness as I gladly gloat to Jenny and Michelle that yes, I was right and nobody wanted to listen to it. Or if you all love it, that's even better. And then this gives me a whole new option for episodes. Obviously this would be a rare occasion. I wouldn't do episodes by myself very often. They're just not super fun, but you know, once in a while, if I have a very, um, detail, very factual, heavy oriented episode that nobody wants to do with me, which is often the case, I will do one by myself if people like it. So, uh, let me know if you hate it, like be kind, but just, you know, let me know what you think. Uh, if you would like me to occasionally, occasionally do a solo episode, but you know, if you hate it, that's fine too. Cause either way I win. We begin today with breaking news. This actually breaking news, literally like five minutes before I recorded this podcast. Last night, I met up at Disneyland with Jenny Ray and Cameron Keegi, and we were talking about the different nights that they have at Disney, the special ticketed events. And we were saying we really were hoping that they would have a Star Wars night and how much we wish we had had one. Well, or they would have one again. Well, our wish came true because uh, it was just announced that there will be a Star Wars night um, at Disneyland on August 27th. Uh, This corresponds with Celebration, which will be celebrated in Anaheim. If you don't know, Star Wars Celebration is the big Star Wars convention for Star Wars fans. I got to go the last time it was in Anaheim, I think in 2015. So uh, this comes directly from the Disney Parks blog. On August 27th, Disneyland Park will host Disneyland After Dark, semicolon, Star Wars Night. Did Joe Rody name that? Because he loves a semicolon. A separate ticketed event, After Hours event, where lands converge for an otherworldly adventure like none other. The journey begins at Star Wars Launch Bay. They got to use that launch bay for something. In Tomorrowland, includes favorite Disney Park offerings, special experiences, and culminates in Batuu's auspicious Twin Moons Eclipse Day celebration at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. If they really were brave, they would make it Life Day. Uh, So next bit of news, which nothing's going to be as exciting as that, although this is pretty close. So a Baby Yoda plushie is coming to Build-A-Bear March 1st. So if you love Baby Yoda even half as much as I do, on March 1st, you can go to Build-A-Bear and build yourself a Baby Yoda. Uh, It will probably be me, a bunch of kids, and their parents, and that I don't care because I'll buy up all the Baby Yodas because I'm bigger than them and I can grab them faster. If you love Build-A-Bear and Baby Yoda or just one or the other... I'll see you there March 1st. Super Nintendo World is coming to Universal's Epic Universe in Orlando and has been officially confirmed as one of the lands. Universal is building a theme, well, technically it's a fourth theme park because they count Volcano Bay as the third one, but this is really a third theme park in Orlando. It's going to be called Epic Worlds. And I don't, there's a lot of theories about what the different lands are. I don't think, I think this might've been the first official land. I I didn't do as much research on this, so I could be wrong. Uh, So, you know, I think this is the first official one. There will be also a Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios 
in Japan. I think that's the first one opening, and it's also going to be in Hollywood. You can now make Fast Pass reservations for Smuggler's Run in Hollywood Studios. Uh, this is just some information. So I, that I don't think that's going to happen at Disneyland for a long time. But now you can uh, make Fast Pass reservations, probably because everyone's on Rise of the Resistance. Uh, so final bit of news. More information has been released about the upcoming Disneyland Daytime Parade, Magic Happens. New photos of floats have been released, including a Cinderella transformation, a sword in the stone float with Arthur pulling the stone free from the sword free from the stone. That's a fun tongue twister. And Tiana and Naveen transformation scene. I probably won't be there the opening day because um, it's always fun having a love of theme parks, but also a crippling anxiety of failure and crowds. Maybe some of you can relate. It's just... Sometimes theme parks can be a lot. So this week's episode is going to be on the Epcot ride Horizons, which is no longer with us. Uh, It has been torn down. You'll hear all about that. So some have called Horizons the greatest ride Disney has ever created. I know that's fighting words and a lot of people might disagree with that. But unless you've been on Horizons in another ride, how do you really know for sure? But from what I've seen of this ride, it was very impressive. If If someone was like, you can go on any defunct Disney ride, I'd be really torn between this and Journey into Imagination. I think the original one. I think the original Journey might just edge it out, but I don't know because this ride looked incredible. It was an incredible dark ride. It was fully immersive, so I really like would lose sleep over trying to choose. Opening October 1st, 1983, on Epcot's first anniversary, Horizons is a careful synthesis of all the wonders within Epcot and applies the elements of communication, energy, transportation, creativity, and technology to create a better life. This Omnimover-style ride was sponsored by GE. When created, this was made to be the sequel to Carousel Progress following a family from the 21st century. So it's not a direct sequel per se, but it is definitely a similar idea of um, Carousel Progress. And actually, supposedly Walt Disney had a like er, was involved in the early planning stages of this. I haven't found any information to confirm this, but perhaps this is true. George McGinnis was the main Imagineer for the attraction. Other famous Imagineers attached to this project are, or were, Marty Scalar, Gil Kepper, John Hench, Claude Coates, and Paul Sonsky. Uh, so this is kind of a all-star who's who of the Imagineering. So here are some facts about Horizons. A little cheat sheet, if you will. The ride covered 136,835 square feet. I should, if I was a better podcaster, I'd have some kind of comparison. Like, that's eight football fields. I don't know how big that is. Uh, The ride vehicles were suspended from above, similar to Peter Pan's flight. The track moved up and down throughout the show building and reached heights of 38 feet. So it was, you know, these little pods that were attached onto the track from above, like Peter Pan, and you would just kind of go and float in and out through the scenes. And it created kind of a seamless floating, I I don't know if futuristic is a feeling you can have, but perhaps a futuristic feeling. The ride had a 15-minute length and also used 54 audio animatronics, 24 sets, and 770 props. Uh, Horizons had an hourly ride capacity of 2,700 guests. And uh, this is a fun fact I found. Michael Jackson said Horizon was one of his three favorite Disney rides. So I think Splash, no, what was Space Mountain was one... And I can't remember the other one, but, you know, this ride is Michael Jackson approved. So now let's get into the actual ride itself. So the ride was similar to Pirates of the Caribbean in that it's a fully immersive dark ride with impressive animatronics and sets. So it's that style of a ride, like a Haunted Mansion, where you're kind of just, the ride vehicle doesn't matter so much. You're just kind of coasting through these scenes, seeing a glimpse of a world that you do not normally experience. 
A major theme of this ride is showing a family in different locations and demonstrating how technology has made their lives easier and more fulfilling. Horizons follows a large family spread over different parts of the earth and space, connecting with each other over technology. The ride follows the grandparents as they communicate with their children, who are adults, and their families in Mesa Verde, Sea Castle, and Bravo Centauri. I add that they're adults because when you say children, you kind of assume like, oh, these are children, but then I'm going to be like, they have husbands and wives, and that would be odd if they were children the narration throughout the ride was done by host bob holt that just makes me want to go steve holt and dina dietrich with the song new horizons by george wilkins this song will get stuck in your head if michelle was here she would sing it right now i'm not going to sing it for you but maybe i'm playing it right now any disney songs just love the words dream So now we're actually going on to the ride. The first part of Horizons is called Looking Back at Tomorrow, showing how people of the past saw the future. So basically, you're going and seeing how past authors and different artists and types of people, what their vision of the future is. Uh, Basically, yeah, it's like, you know, back to the future. They show in 19, I forget when they shot the second one, like let's say the late 80s. Um, They're showing 2015, but it's from the perspective of the 80s. So it's not necessarily the future that we got, but it's just how people thought the future would be. And, you know, it's always stylistically very influenced by that time period. So first you see Jules Verne in a rocket. So this is an animatronic and there's like a little chicken floating above him. And then you see Albert, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, Robida's vision of the future in a Zeppelin-filled Paris. So this is the, (laughs) we have the Paris of the South. This is the Paris of the future. Then we see the future as seen from the 1930s in all its art deco glory. This portion includes a robot butler, which is perhaps the most famous image of the ride, and a robot chef. A woman in a bathtub is seen watching TV. And then a side note, there's a guy in the TV singing Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. So this is showing that this is a spiritual successor to Carousel Progress. And below is a man being groomed by a multi-armed machine. So this is a really, this is the showpiece, one of the big scenes, the most famous scenes. It's a multi-level. So the woman's actually on the second floor in her bathtub. It, the robot butler, You've, if you're a fan of theme parks, you've seen this robot butler. Uh, he's been on display. He's just like a little cool robot butler dude with a fancy vest on that we'd all love to have. Then there's the 50s interpretation of the future, which is more of like a flat set. Uh, and it looks like the Jetsons, at least to me. There's always been something sort of mysterious about our oceans. We knew they were filled with valuable gifts for us. Yeah, water and seaweed. Very funny. But seawater has become an excellent source of energy, as well as being valuable for desert irrigation. And kelp. Seaweed. Kelp is a tremendous source of So the ride then transitions into the, quote, future, or the 1980s version of the future. So the rest of the ride is set in the year 2086, which is the year I will be 100 years old. Will I be alive then? Who Who's to say? Hopefully, or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> so the narrators, supposedly these are the narrators. This is what I've, I've read as a description. So let's just go with that. So the narrators are grandparents and they are shown in their living room in the futuristic metropolis of Nova Cite, or it's Nova C-I-T-A-T-E, Is that Cité? Is that Sight? I don't know. Could be French. But they have an adorable dog, so that's all that matters. Their daughter has become a farmer after seven years in college, and the mother, or aka the grandmother, is talking to her via a holographic telephone that looks like a TV. Uh, So throughout this, it's going to be all these people communicating and talking to each other from this family. So we're starting with the grandparents. The next scene shows future farming in the desert of Mesa Verde, with large spaceship drones tending to the crops. 
the adult daughter who was on the phone in the previous scene is, I said adult daughter, so you don't think she's a kid, is running uh, the giant farming machines. Orange smell was blasted throughout the scene from a scent cannon. So before Soren, uh, this ride utilized scents and they had the orange scent. If you like the smells in Soren, you have this ride to thank. There's, you see the animatronic of the daughter and she's kind of like in this um, control room and she's animating the props. I would have loved to see the scene. It looked so impressive. The little ships are moving back and forth. There's like a waterfall. There's um, you just seeing all this cool desert farming and it looks so immersive and so cool. Uh, then you see Becky, the name I just made up for the farmer's daughter. Uh, so the lady farmer who's farming her daughter, Becky, because no one said her name is Becky. I just decided that she looks like a Becky. Um, so she is the grandchild of the couple from uh, earlier. She is seen talking to her boyfriend via, via a giant TV visual phone. So it's the holographic telephone. She is an animatronic and he's human who has been filmed. Uh, the boyfriend is fixing a submarine. The reason why I mention this is because the scene transitions to the next scene and you see the inverse of this. So the boyfriend is now an animatronic and he is talking to his girlfriend on the TV who was played by a human actor. This is the transition into the sea castle underwater base. I just thought this was interesting because I've never seen a thing where you see a film person and then the animatronic of them in the same ride. So it's just weird because it's like you see the animatronic and then you see the real person. It's obviously not the same person. Uh, so now we're in the second location, the sea castle, showing us how we can live underwater in the future. Uh, we then see a classroom on the base and a teacher in a scuba suit teaches children who are also in scuba suits. They study a live seal who is very fascinated by the boy standing in front of them. So then another transition happens and we're in space. As you go around, you see a, a several small spacecrafts manned by cool-looking animatronics, and then you see Space Station Brava Centauri. So then eventually we go inside the space station, and we see the third child and their family. So one of the family members is on an exercise bike upside down because, you know, there's no gravity, so they're, they're spinning. And then we see the rest of the family in a large circular room where the gravity is limited. This is another famous scene from the ride. Uh, so the final animatronic scene, we transition into this and it's the whole family that you've seen in every scene gathered together um, to celebrate a birthday, all communicating on large holographic telephones. I think you have the space station family sitting and they're looking at these three screens that kind of look like flat screens TVs. On one screen are the grandparents. On one screen, I forget who it is. And then on the other screen, it's the daughter, I think, from who's talking to her boyfriend, and she's holding a cake that says happy birthday. So basically, it's the whole family gathering together who live in space, in the desert, in this, you know, the ocean, all gathering together to celebrate a birthday. So then the whole ride ends with a choose your own adventure. So by choosing one of the following scenes, either space depicting space colonization, desert showing arid zone agriculture, or under the sea showing ocean colonization. So basically, you're sitting in the ride vehicle. And you have a little screen that pops up. It's kind of similar to Spaceship Earth now. And you get a 31 second video of that thing you chose. So if you chose desert, you get a 31 second video of the desert. So large models were used to create these films and it took over a year to film all three segments. Those models produced in 1983 by 30 model makers were built and filmed in a hangar in the Burbank airport with a desert model alone measuring 32 feet wide by 75 feet long. Uh, the desert scene is the longest continuous shot miniature sequence ever made at 31 seconds. So all these were done in one continuous shot. Also, the scene was done, I forget the guy's name, but the guy who did the special effects for Star Wars and all the models built the models for this. So I just thought that added a little technology because everyone was Star 83, that was uh, Return of the Jedi. So everyone was Star Wars crazy. So people probably went on that ride just for that. 
attention horizons passengers you are invited to choose your own flight path back to the future port please look down at the lighted panels in front of you press one of the three ride choices space desert or undersea everyone can choose majority rules what happened to horizons you might say why is that amazing ride still not at epcot well sadly uh the ride closed in december 1994, shortly after the GE sponsorship was lost in 1993. So that's kind of a common theme with Epcot, is that uh, anytime a ride lost its sponsor, Disney didn't want to upkeep it anymore. However, even though this ride was closed in 1994, uh, because so many rides were closed at Epcot during this period, including World of Motion, as I mentioned, and Universe of Energy, Horizons opened a year later in December 1995 with no changes. So Basically, people thought they went, they're like, oh, this ride's closed. It's not going to open again. It's closed. Then a year later, it reopens. Imagine, like, I can't think of an equivalent at Disneyland, but imagine just one day going back to Disneyland and, like, the people movers open just as is. So the ride continued to operate until January 9th, 1999, when it officially closed for good. Eventually, Mission Space took its place. Horizons closed for several reasons. Uh, There's many rumors, but this is what I've researched. So I think the main reason was loss of sponsorship. Uh, Problems with the roof. Apparently, they had issues with the building. Uh, Declining popularity. Obviously, people are stupid and like thrill rides more than amazing dark rides. And uh, there was a sinkhole under the building, and this was confirmed by Marty Scholar. A lot of people say that the the sinkhole was kind of used as a scapegoat because they didn't want to admit they closed it because GE lost they lost the GE sponsorship. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure this had something to do with it because they basically completely tore the building down, which was the first time they ever did this for a Disney attraction. Completely tore the whole building down and rebuilt something in its place. My fascination with Horizons started actually... um, so I've been into theme, like I've always loved theme parks, but I've gotten really into like the details of theme parks the last few years. And I came across these names of Chief and Hoot, uh, these two guys who were like Disney legends. So sit back, because now I'm going to tell you a story about two friends named Chief and Hoot who bonded over their love of Horizons. I actually wrote a really good transition and I screwed it up as usual. So enjoy. There was these two guys and they um, were friends. They loved the Horizons ride. They bonded over it. Uh, So when they heard the ride was going to close, they decided to document every inch of the ride, wanting to preserve it. And through all of this, they devised a way to get out of the ride vehicles and explore the ride, realizing it had no security. Now the pair could document the ride in even greater detail. So all Disney rides have security. You couldn't get away with this now, but I guess Horizons, you could get out of your ride vehicle undetected. Uh, So the pair photographed and filmed the ride extensively, capturing every detail on and off stage. It's amazing. They caught everything on this ride. There's no other Disney ride that's defunct that is more well-documented than Horizon because of these two. So there's many pictures of them posing with the animatronics, and they made several important discoveries. This really stuck with me. I thought this was amusing. One of them is that the woman in the bathtub scene that I mentioned earlier is completely built, anatomically correct animatronic. Basically, what I'm trying to say is they fully built the woman in the bathtub, her naked body, and you could see it if you went up onto the second floor and looked down at her. You obviously couldn't see it from the ride vehicle. She was covered in bubbles. But if you went up there, you could see everything. So to learn more about the fabulous adventures of Chief and Hoot, watch the YouTube video, Remain Seated, Please, The Hoot and Chief Story by Matthew Serrano, who I actually met one time and I didn't even know. He's a friend of a friend. And I'm obsessed with this documentary. I've watched it many times. Michelle and I have referenced this 
pod, on the podcast several times. We both love it. Um, I would also recommend visiting Chief and Hoot's blog, Mesa Verde Times. Uh, there is some language on there, just fair warning. But you can see random pictures up close of the ride. You can see the one I'm talking about of the anatomically correct animatronic. You can see the backstage. They have videos of everything. It's an amazing archive. I normally would never condone something like this, but just something because they loved it so much. I'm just, I'm always pro people who love Disney, who don't do it for money, who don't do it for glory. They do it just because they love it so much. Still, I don't recommend it, but I just, I'm such a fan of this story. So that was Horizons. I hope you enjoyed it. Special thanks to David, Jennifer, Lauren, Sean, Tiffany, Tori, Wynette, and our newest patron, Mandy. Yay, Mandy! Uh, if you would like to become one of our patrons, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash 1313harborthepodcast. You can find us on our website, www.1313harborthepodcast.com. We have our t-shirts on there. We have episodes, lots of goodies for you. You can find us on Twitter at 1313harbor. You can find us on Instagram at 1313harborthepodcast. You can email me at 1313harborthepodcast at gmail.com. I will respond. Uh, I just got an email from this woman named Emily, and she drew out uh, the version of Tomorrowland that we came up with our last week's episode. I will treasure it always. I love it so much. Thank you, Emily. You can rate and review us on your podcast server of choice, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever. That really helps. Please let people know about the podcast. Spread the word. I love you all. You are the best people in the world. And to all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. <laughs> <laughs>